Hi, I'm Jennifer Stewart, and I'm the president and CEO of the Canadian Independent Petroleum Marketers Association. Canada is changing, and so are the sectors that support it. On Pump Chats, presented by National Energy Equipment, we're taking a deep dive into what Canada's most prominent fuel and convenience companies are doing amidst a pandemic, how they're innovating to be sustainable, and we'll also be speaking with sector experts to get some crystal ball predictions. Buckle up and get ready to hear how our fuel and convenience sector is making waves on Pump Chats. Hello and welcome to our listeners. I'm Michelle Coates-Mather, Vice President of the Canadian Independent Petroleum Marketers Association. Today on Pump Chats, I am so pleased to be speaking with Jennifer Madigan, Vice President, Media and Communications with Syntax Strategic. Jennifer is a veteran communications and journalism professional who has worked in the Canadian news industry for nearly 15 years. She is the former executive producer for the West Block with Tom Clark, a former national affairs reporter with A News, and has been on the ground reporter in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Jennifer knows what makes for good news, and we thought it would be a great opportunity for listeners in the fuel transportation industry to learn how the sector can better leverage earned PR and media relations at a time when the industry is seeing so much change. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Jennifer, you've had a tremendous amount of on-the-ground experience in news media. So I have the great pleasure of working with you and seeing your strategic storytelling mindset firsthand. So how has your journalism background benefited you in your role now as a consultant as you help your clients amplify their brands and unique storytelling opportunities? Well, having worked in a newsroom as both a producer and a reporter on a variety of shows, I know what they're looking for in terms of stories. As a producer, you have a really good sense of where a story is going, especially if it's one that lasts more than a day. You're really trying to figure out how you're going to shape and make something new as it as it moves along. And you know how to try to adapt big stories for your specific audience. As a reporter, of course, you figure out what elements you need in a story. And also during interviews, you're listening for the right quotes for your, your piece. Now, as a consultant, I can use that to help my clients. So during media training, my brain automatically switches back to reporter mode and I'm listening for that right quote, or I'm finding opportunities to press them on something that might be really tough. And then when we're looking at pitching stories, it's definitely helpful if you know how newsrooms function and use that to work on your approach to media outreach. So everything that I do is very custom and it changes even on the day because I'm looking at what's going on and, and how we have to adapt based on that. So it's all about making sure that your, your story is relevant for the times, right? I mean, that's how you're going to get coverage. Exactly. Yeah. So you really have to see, and you know what, you have to be ready to move. Like you might have, if, if, it, if you're not reliant on, let's say a minister or something, if you can change your story, you want to look, you might have a set date, you want to launch something, but if there's a major breaking news story that day, maybe you decide, hmm, let's hold on to it for a quieter news day because there's no point in putting in all the effort that it takes to reach out to media if you, you can just tell right away you're not going to get any coverage. So you really have to be adaptable and pay attention to what is going on and not just have a plan and stick to it. So 
Jennifer, as you know, SIPMA advocates for retailers in the fuel marketing space. And in recent years, the oil and gas sector has really taken a beating in the news, especially as governments and consumers alike demand greater environmental accountability from producers and retailers. So, you know, many retailers are doing their you know, very best to step up their climate change action strategies, diversifying their fuel offerings. We're seeing more and more EV charging stations, for example, at sites and a greater introduction of low carbon fuels at the pumps. So what kind of proactive media approaches should fuel retailers be deploying to better manage brand reputation, would you say? Well, I'll be honest, it's a tough one because good news stories are hard to land. First of all, a reporter, editor, or producer is always looking for the conflict in the story, or at the very least, they're coming at everything with a critical eye. So you have to think about what the other side of your story is because you can guarantee they will be looking for it. Mm. Um, you know, I was looking through to see a bit of a scan, um, and, and, you know, there's not much coverage uh, of fuel retailers unless it's something like an explosion happens or, uh, you know, some some strange thing happens at that location that makes the news. So, you know, you have to look for something unique. What can you teach viewers or readers of a news outlet? Look at what's going on in the news. And if there is coverage about fuel, is there a way that you can insert yourself into a story that would be beneficial to you? And if there is, then reach out to a reporter who's already covering the story and say, hey, have you, you know, have you thought of this part? We could talk to this. Uh, but you have to be really honest with yourself and, and ask, you know, is what you're going to call the reporter about something that people really want to know about? So if you mm -hmm. want to call and say, hey, we have this new fuel is that something that that you could imagine them putting into their newscast or putting them into their into their um, their newspaper? But I would also suggest maybe looking for ways to get involved in the community that might not be tied to to fuel, but can get your name out in a different way and in a positive way. So it's something else to think about. I love that because I think there's always that bigger picture narrative at play, especially when we're talking about the environment, right? And if you're, mm -hmm. you know, trying to demonstrate that you're really pushing the needle in terms of advancements on environmental sustainability, you know, at your retail sites or, you know, just as part of your sort of corporate brand writ large, that means sort of thinking outside of the box in terms of your communications and engagement approach, right? Yeah. Imagine that there's something going on in your community. Maybe it's an annual event or something that's tied to the environment and you get involved. Well, a producer or a reporter might say that's interesting. And you might get the question of, you know, does it make sense for you to be part of this? You sell gas and that mm -hmm. creates greenhouse gas emissions. And that might be a really tough question. And a lot of people run away from those sort of scenarios, but I see that as an opportunity to say, no, this makes a lot of sense because we are trying to be part of the solution and here's what we're doing. So don't run away from, you know, think it through carefully, but don't necessarily run away from the tough questions because you could turn them in into an opportunity to help people see the side that you haven't been able to get across. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about public relations for government relations you know, how do you feel public relations can support companies in their advocacy efforts with, you know, policymakers, decision makers of all political stripes and, and including, uh, you know, department officials? 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I think anytime you can start or contribute to a discussion on something, it's a benefit to these both of these kinds of efforts. You really have to be thoughtful, though. So your PR approach needs to be in line with your GR approach. Because say you come out in a story and you're being really hard line, uh, but on the GR side, your team's trying to, to be soft and friendly. Those two could really hurt each other. However, to be honest, the best chance of coverage is during those times when you are ready to go out and make a really bold statement. So X business is calling for Y, right? Like X business is saying the government should be doing more on this. Like you can, you can see that as a headline, but you have to make sure that works with your, your GR efforts. And often what we suggest is that clients pen an opinion editorial, which can be a bit of a softer approach. It still has to contain a call to action but it could be a different angle that you might not get coverage, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Again, I think that's really great insight, you know, for, for what it's worth too. When, when we put together an integrated government relations plan, we always capture media opportunities for the reasons that you've just said. Plus, I mean, oftentimes, um, look, it, uh, ministers of the crown, politicians and so forth, they're busy people. Um, Mm -hmm. Catching their attention, getting them to agree to a meeting can take time and persistence. But if you're out there publicly positioning yourself, it creates a bit more urgency around the requirement for that, you know, politician or MP or what have you to actually engage with you, right? You're, you're piquing their interest mm-hmm. and curiosity. And then to a certain extent, sort of putting the ball in their court, because it's a big part of their job to engage with stakeholders, regardless of whether or not they agree with that stakeholder's point of view, it is their job to engage and have conversations. So I think, I think the input you've just put here is really, really smart advice. Um, and that, that really needs to be an important part of any GR plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can use it as a way to move an argument forward, but also, you know, what's going on behind the scenes a lot better than the average person. Mm-hmm. So you could see maybe a conflict coming up. Maybe the government's going to do something that they're going to take some flack for. And maybe you see the benefit of it, you could reach out and say, you know, we'd be happy to, to talk about this issue X um, and provide that other viewpoint. And now you've sort of helped move things along in a, in a positive way as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always about that value pitch with government. How are you supporting them? How are you mm-hmm. helping them uh, meet their own objectives and priorities? You know, I think this is really, again, really great insight. So what makes a good news story and what doesn't, you know, like we know Mm -hmm. the media landscape is changing so quickly. Newsrooms Mm -hmm. are super strapped these days. We've got a lot of competing news stories out there, you know, especially against the backdrop of a pandemic. So how do companies get the media's attention? Mm. At the end of the day, a good news story is one that's interesting, bottom line. So there's either an element of something really unique uh, something really emotional, or there is some sort of conflict. As a reporter, when you're considering a story, you always ask yourself, so what? Why do my viewers or readers care? And, and if you don't have a good answer for that, it's not going to make it, right? Mm-hmm. On a national level, you're also saying, okay, well, what does this story mean to someone in BC versus someone in Nova Scotia? Often, you know, I'm in Ottawa and I worked on the Hill for a while. And so, you know, you get into this Ottawa bubble. So you have to ask yourself, well, what does Mary in Vancouver think about this story? How do I make it interesting to the entire country? Um, I want to run through a bit of an example. So this would be more at a local level, 
but let's say you call up your, your local morning show and you say that you want to have someone on to talk about new fuel options. The person on the other line is saying, who cares, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can I imagine giving four minutes of airtime to talk about fuel options? Probably not. But if you look ahead and you see Earth Day is coming up, you call up the producer and reporter and say, I'd love to provide some tips on how drivers can reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Well, now you've created a segment that's interesting. It's news you can use, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really thinking. I think the biggest problem we see with clients sometimes is they say, you know, here's this thing we have going on. Go pitch it. I'm like, wait, but what, what does it matter? Especially when you're talking about, you know, news releases and whatnot written away where either people can't understand it or they can't see how it affects them. You're not going to get covered. So, um, you really have to think about the audience and, um, and think about what you're offering them in, in this piece, whether it's TV, print or radio. I, you know, and I think that just makes good common sense too, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to, you know, entice or move action, you're not going to be able to do that unless you're, you're able to get into the psyche of the audience and actually, you know, give them information that, that moves them to action. So, so making sure that it's relevant, uh, just, it makes so much sense. So I think, you know, companies need to really, again, think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. And it could be something, you know, very unique. Again, thinking at sort of a hyper local level. I know uh, the gas station around the corner with me has this incredible sandwich spot in there. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so again, it has nothing to do with, with fuel, but you know, if you could find a way to get them there to, to, it's this amazing Italian, like, you know, in the middle of somewhere you wouldn't expect. And it, I know in our neighborhood, it's become the place where people go and get food. <laughs> so there's that unique, like, huh, interesting. Um, but I want to go there and try it. Right. Right. So it's building brand awareness, right. For that mm-hmm. retail site, which is, you know, genius really. So, you know, as a follow-up to that, what are your top tips for pitching a story? So number one, you have to know who you're pitching to. We never do just mass, uh, media outreach that isn't custom. You need to know who their audience is and what they write about or cover when you're looking at a reporter. And then you have to think, what can I offer them that is in line with these things? So, um, you know, for a local reporter, you really have to, or a local outlet, you have to think about, you know, what, what am I offering this local audience? National, same thing. Like it has to affect everybody. Um, you need to make the story obvious. So as I was saying earlier, you can't just, you know, put out a, a headline. There's this new fuel available. Okay. What's the story? What does it do? How is it, how is it changing? Is it going to make it, you know, are things going to be cheaper? Is it going to, I mean, most often it's going to be cleaner and, but you, you have to make the story really obvious right away because the journalists just don't have time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when I read a subject line in an email, I try to think of a headline and I put that, I put my, my pitch in that way. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, and then it's really just, you know, thinking about what the reporter might need and making sure you can offer that to them. (laughs) This is going to sound silly, but a lot of people will say, pitch this story. We really want coverage and Mm -hmm. we'll secure coverage and uh, say, great. They want an interview and they come back and say, oh, we don't have anyone available for an interview. Right. (laughs) Right. So you've lost that opportunity now to have to go back to a reporter and say, no, I don't have an interview. Um, So it's, it seems really silly, but you do have to ask, okay, if we're going to do some media outreach, who is available to do the interview? 
right. um, and make sure. And, you know, what, what other elements might the journalist need and can we help with that? Mm-hmm. So in other words, you know, it, it takes a lot of advanced planning because some of these things companies should know out front, like your, your point right now about who's the spokesperson. Um, that's mm-hmm. something that companies should probably be thinking about well in advance of specific media opportunities, right? Yeah. And I mean, I, I can see how it happens, but you, you almost have to clear that person's day if you're mm-hmm. going to do a big push for something. Because again, you really can't go out to reporters and say, hey, we want to talk about this thing. And then when they ask for the interview, say no. That's, you know, that's going to hurt not only that opportunity, but future opportunities as well. So, you know, often we're talking about the CEO or someone with a major role in the company. But if you're going to do the outreach, you have to make that person available. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, I can see, again, it, people are busy. And it's not always thought of in the day-to-day, but it's, it's critical. And, and, and I would say, too, that it's as critical as any other component of running a business, right? Because it really is media relations, communications, all of that is about engaging with, with your audience, your consumer, your, mm-hmm. your stakeholders, right? The people that are actually buying your, your, uh, your product. So, I mean, it, it, it makes sense that that be thought about proactively because, you know, w- without that, you're, no, no one's coming to the retail site. No one's, you know, uh, yeah. going to that, that convenience store to buy that Italian sandwich, right? Like, so it, it needs to be thoughtfully planned for as it would be, you know, your financial forecasting or, or other elements of your day-to-day business. I think it's a battle for communications teams often because mm-hmm. the experts within the company are thinking, but I'm busy doing this. And this is very important to the company. This is more important than whatever that journalist needs, especially if you get a, you know, say maybe a reactive um, request, but it is. It, it, it's critical. If you don't let people know who you are, they don't know to come to you. I mean, most often you're going to go, if people drive around, they need to get fuel. But if you mm-hmm. can make them make yourself known, uh, it can make a difference in terms of people being a bit more intentional in coming to your location. Yeah, I, I, I love that. So I think the last point I just love to get your two cents on too, is how we measure success in media relations. You know, I think most folks think we covet the idea of a national news story. If it's not a national news story, Mm. then were we really successful? But I mean, I would argue, and I'd be curious to get your perspective here, that again, if we're thinking about the audience first, it's not Uh always about a national news story. It it, it can look different depending on what it is that you're trying to pitch and what you're trying to communicate. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. I know it's true. A lot of people hold certain national publications um, in the highest regard. And yeah, it's great. But does that audience then deliver what your objective is, right? So you mm-hmm. you do, you have to really think about what are you trying to accomplish by this, by this outreach? If it, if you do want the brand across the country to have an uplift, then sure, you're going to try to do that. But I mean, I always feel like local news affects people uh, the most directly. And, and we've really seen this during the pandemic where local news has had a big lift because people want to know what's going on in their community more mm-hmm. so than what's going on across the country. So to me, that's where you want to reach people because that's where you could have the greatest impact in changing their behaviors. 
that makes so much sense. And it's sort of like what we were talking earlier about PR for GR. So if you're, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to advocate for a particular point, for example, it might make more sense to pitch to a niche media publication, something like the Hill Mm -hmm. Times or iPolitics versus trying to get something in the Globe and Mail. I mean, it's not to say that it won't be effective in the Globe and Mail, obviously, but if you're coming back to your, to your, to your objectives and in that particular example, trying to, uh, you know, get the attention of a decision maker, you want to go to the outlet that they're reading. You want to go where they have eyeballs on a source, right? Yeah, exactly. And maybe sometimes you want to be talking to your own community and then you want a niche publication on that side of things. So yeah, you really have to think about what is my objective mm-hmm. in, in doing this outreach and putting this out and what is going to be the best channel to do that, to reach that. Well, listen, Jennifer, this was so great. I can't tell you how much we appreciate you taking the time to chat with with us today and to you know share your expertise and, you know, strategic advice with our members. We'd love to have you back on. I hope you'll come join us again. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Great. Okay. Thank you. And to our members, wishing you all the best with your strategic communications planning. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen and subscribe to Pump Chats presented by National Energy Equipment anywhere you find your podcasts. Until next time.